in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Jake Johnson, and this... This is Untethered Live, and you're watching The Deep End. Bible study on a Sunday night. Tonight, we're going to go crazy. We're getting in the book of Genesis, chapter 30, verse... Chapter 19, verse 30. That's what it is. Chapter 19, verse 30. Lost my brain there for a minute. Mm. How are you doing? How's the weather? Did you survive the hurricane? Is everything okay? Are you guys chilling and relaxing? Are you well-fed and covered and... Got all the water out of all your stuff? I hope so. <clears throat> it wasn't so bad here. I live in North Carolina, so by the time it got up here, it was a tropical storm, and it rained a little. A little bit of wind blowing. I rode my motorcycle in it. It wasn't that big a deal. But, you know, could have been. The last big hurricane we had here, it flooded, so could have went either way. I'm actually kind of glad it didn't, because I don't think I could survive another rebuild terrible mm. i'm enjoying a nice cuban so i bought two of them a month ago and i smoked one when i bought them and saved this one for tonight tonight's a special night because tomorrow night tomorrow night my podcast may very well be broadcast from my brand new computer that's coming in the mail it'll be here tomorrow i don't know for sure because i don't know what all i got to do to get it set up and going but I definitely definitely need to transfer some software over and find the Mac versions of them because it's a Macintosh, uh, Mac Pro, what I bought. And uh, <laughs> I got to find the uh, Mac versions of all the stuff I use here and get it all set up and running, which will probably, I'll get started at about 5.30 tomorrow because I got to work tomorrow, obviously. So I don't know if I'll have it done in time to start the podcast but definitely by Wednesday, it'll be up and running. Maybe tomorrow night. Either way, it's something. It's a cause for celebration. I'm extremely happy to have a machine that can actually handle the job. What I'm using now is my laptop, and it is huffing and puffing and gasping for air. It can barely handle it. Uh, but what I got coming should do the job nicely, so we'll see. Hopefully. Mm. Lovely. I'm excited. If you're just tuning in, you can find us on Spotify and iTunes and Google Podcasts and Amazon Prime and anywhere else that podcasts are downloaded and sold. You can find us there. It's a free show. Come subscribe. Join the join the conversation. See what you can learn or contribute. You might teach me something. I'm open. I'm game. I'm down. And uh, Wednesdays and Friday nights, we hang out and we party, talk, play some music, 
chit-chat about whatever. Um, anything goes. No subject is taboo, except for politics and religion and sports. You know, the usual stuff that'll get you banned from YouTube. I've already been in, in a fight with YouTube. They've already taken two of my videos from two years ago down because I violated community guidelines. However, when it occurred, when I made those videos, they didn't have those community guidelines. So it's a posthumous violation. I don't think that's legal. I'm not going to fight it, though. I just privated all my videos. So you may notice if you've been on the channel that there's no more content there. It's all been privated. The only thing you're going to get is from now forward. Nothing from previous times. After the election, I'll put my videos back up. But until then, they're going to stay private. And we'll just move forward and not give them a chance to posthumously wreck my channel by taking videos down and ruining my reputation and messing with the algorithm and all that stuff. I'm just not going to do that. They win. You can have it because as soon as I get to the position where I can, I'm going to move over to Rumble and start letting that be my base of operations. Obviously, after I do the live show, then it propagates out to all the other places. It's not live, but you can go there and watch it, like YouTube, I mean, like Spotify and iTunes and all those places. Go there after live. If you want to see it live, you might have to go to Rumble to do it after a while because I don't like being censored when I wasn't breaking the law. I'm not going to fight them on it. I'm not going to contest their taking my videos down because they're not monetized and it's not really hurting me, but I don't like the implications of it because all I did in those videos, and I went back and watched to see if I said anything outlandish or whatever, I did, some say, I did say some things I know that would have offended them, but they were my opinion. They're not fact. It's how I feel. I'm an American. I have a right to say how I feel, especially about my political beliefs. That's what the First Amendment's all about. So if it offends you, don't listen. But you don't get to take my videos down for it because I didn't do anything wrong, guidelines or otherwise. If your guidelines are contrary to the First Amendment, then you're the one that's doing something wrong, not me. So with that in mind... I privated all my videos, so they won't get a chance to take any more of them down. If they take them down, they'll be doing it. They'll be going way out of their way to do it, and nobody's even going to get to see them. So you win, YouTube, until I move. If you want to keep me here, if you see the potential of what I'm doing, maybe lighten up a little bit. I would love to stay on YouTube because I like the possibilities here, and everything else is unproven, so I don't know. But the bottom line is, I'm not going to be bullied by you or anybody else. And right now, I'm not making you a whole lot of money, so you could probably just get rid of me, and that'd be fine for you. But in the future, I'm going to be an earner, and you know it. You can tell it. You can see it in my eyes. I'm not giving up. I'm not backing down. I'm not walking away. I'm here for the long haul. It's all uphill from here. So if you want to bully me, it's probably not a good move on your part. I'm just saying. It's up to you. Rant over. Let's talk about what we're going to be talking about tonight. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 19, verse 30. I believe that's it. I'm going to make sure I'm saying that right. Yep, that's it. Chapter 19, verse 30. 
we have gone through the flood and we've gone through Abraham and the changing of the names and the all of that good stuff. And now we're in deep into Abraham's life. We've gone through Sodom and Gomorrah. We've gone through Lot's little ordeal. And now we're on the other side of that going forward into the book of Genesis. And I think it'll be interesting. It's a great read. The last couple of books have been fantastic. Like reading Game of Thrones or something. Very interesting. So I think you'll be fascinated by what we uncover tonight. Down deep in the deep end. In the abyss. In the darkness. Unfolding. History. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. I'm just rambling. Maybe it's entertaining. Who knows? I'm just shooting the breeze until folks show up. And they'll be come rolling in here soon. Hmm, my cigar wants to go out. Kind of humid weather here. There's enough of that. I'll save that guy for later. <clears throat> anyway, I'm very excited about the new computer. I bought a Mac Pro uh, dual quad core, 64 gigs of RAM, 4 terabytes hard drive space. Uh, running El Capitan as an operating system, which as soon as I get it, I'm going to flash it to a 5 comma one it's a four comma one i'm gonna flash it to a five comma one update update the firmware and put a new chip in it and make it a more powerful quad core dual quad core and then uh that'll be that that's as far as that can that that system can go i have sitting over here in the corner a five comma one that's a little bit newer but there's something wrong with it. It's getting no power to it. I bought a new power supply for it, and that didn't do it. So there must be something wrong with the circuit board, the motherboard. I don't know yet. I have to delve into it to find out what the issue is. But I will figure it out, and I will get that joker running too. And then I'll have two of them. Hey, show me Sasquatch. Blessings and tidings to you. How are you doing this fine evening? Welcome to the show. I'm glad you came by. We're going to do some reading tonight. Going to get into the book of Genesis. 1930 is where we're at. Mahomes versus Brady tonight. Oh, it's a football game on, huh? Well, that's something. Loving life like always. That's a good thing to be. Loving life. I love life too. It's very nice. I'm blessed all the way around. And I hope you are too. And this is how you know if you are. If good things happen to you on the regular, you're always getting out of scrapes by the skin of your teeth. Nothing ever really lands hard on you. You know, blows are always coming your way, but they don't really land. They just kind of scrape by and knock you around for a loop, but you're still standing. That's when you know you're blessed. Somebody is in your corner. And I definitely have somebody in mine. Because I've been through the ringer the last five years. I've had enough happen to me that makes a normal person want to kill themselves. I ain't going out like that, though. Because every time I turn around, something I need just shows up. 
And that's a blessing. That's beautiful. <laughs> I tell people people it works both ways seven times. Yeah, good. Seven times 70 according to Jesus. I resemble that statement. Amen, brother. So all you fine folks out there listening tonight, let that be in the back of your mind. Just know the Father loves you and he wants to bless you. You just have to be receptive for it. You have to be open to the idea. You can't go around looking at all the bad things. My mom used to say, stop counting your curses and start counting your blessings. Have you done that lately? When's the last time you actually counted up all the good things that happened in your life? Try it. You might be surprised. All my family is gone looking down on me. Angels in the outfield. <laughs> uh, I agree, mine too. Faith doesn't make things easier. It makes it impossible, right? Well, the lack of faith makes things impossible. Oh, it makes the impossible, right? Gotcha. I read that wrong. Makes the impossible, gotcha. You ever noticed when you use talk to type, it tries to mix the words up? I've never used talk to type. I'm old. I don't know what that is. I still do the thumb thing. I'm not even sure how to get that on my phone, talk to type. I know it's there. I just don't know how to use it. I'm an old man. When I was young, high technology was the Walkman. You know what I'm saying? I came from a time there was no such thing as a VCR. I don't think people actually realize the words, meanings. Like my mom always said, watch your tone, frequency. You know? Yes, I do know. Tone and frequency is very important when communicating. And also, facial expressions and body language and microaggressions. Or, or micro uh, expressions, not aggressions. Expressions. Because they render what you're saying in a way that people can recognize it physically. Not just verbally, but physically. And sometimes that's the difference between trusting somebody and thinking that they're creepy because they may be saying one thing, but their body language is saying something else. And those are the people I avoid at all costs. It's when you want to make a comment, it has a microphone there. You just push it and it does the typing. Interesting. I'll try that one of these days. But everybody that's ever had it on here complains about it. So I don't know if it's a good thing or not. April tries to text talk all the time and she's ever complaining about it. And it's always spitting out gibberish. Nobody can understand what she's talking about half the time. But I've learned to read crazy ease. <laughs> there wasn't even VCRs yet when I was in high school. Me too. Well... Grade school. I'm not that old. I was born in the 70s. The early 70s. I think VCRs came around when I was about 10 years old or 9 years old, somewhere around there. Jinx. Pinch poke, you owe me a Coke. 
Yep, I just dated myself. Where's everybody at this evening? It's just me and you right now, buddy. My April should be along at any moment. My cheerleader. My schwad of Eve. I don't know what that means, but I think it means what I think it means. People seem to get along better when they're texting each other because there is no tone in texting. I have found that no tone in texting causes a problem because when I'm being sarcastic, you can't tell. Or when I'm joking, you can't tell. It just looks like words on your end. On my end, see, I talk very vivacious, vivaciously. I talk with a lot of inflection and a lot of uh, slang and a lot of uh, figures of speech. I talk kind of in parables a little bit. Not parables per se, but you know what I'm saying. And uh, people have trouble with that. I was in a courtroom once, and I was talking about my mother disciplining me. And I said to the, the lawyer... That little voice inside my head is the very thing that keeps me out of trouble, you know. Of course, I'm terrified of my mother. She's long dead, and I still hear her telling me, you better not do that. You better think. This man said to me, so do you hear more than one voice, or is it just the one? You tell me you didn't understand what I meant. This man thinks I'm over here having like uh, schizophrenia or something. And I'm talking about the voice of my mother keeping me out of trouble, you know, like you do. <coughs> Crazy. Like when someone tells you you're hurting them, who are you to tell them that they are wrong in their feelings? I'm not. Do your reading. I'll be quiet and listen. I just don't talk that much to people, so when I do, I can't quit. I hear you, brother. Well, when I start reading, I'll stop reading the chat for the most part. I do peep in every now and then, but uh, I tend to get into what I'm reading, so I ain't paying attention. And I'll go back at the end, I'll do a Q&A, and we'll go back and scroll through and make sure I didn't miss anything. Maybe I need to text April. I'll send him a little reminder. I'm texting right now. All right, I'm done. How about that? <laughs> it's 8.19. I'll give it two more minutes, and we'll get started. They'll show up eventually. I understand, because I've been friends with people on YouTube before, but, it never saw the, but I never saw their face. I heard them talk, and after I heard them talk, well, you know, ha <laughs> Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it's uh, all in the, the language. This is my first YouTube community. 
and it is growing rather quick. There she is. Hello, love. Sorry I'm late. You're not late. You're right on time. We showed up early. How are things on the homestead? Are you guys getting all the trees out of the yard and stuff? Patching up all the holes? I'm actually quite excited about tonight. The last couple of reads in this book have been fantastic, and tonight I see no reason to think it would be any different. Thanks, love. Hello, show me Sasquatch. Well, you are most certainly welcome. We're worried about you down there. All right. It is 821. Let's get started, shall we? Let's go down. Pull up the pages. There it is. Genesis chapter 9, verse 30. Chapter 19, verse 30. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I can't seem to say 1930 without screwing it up. I've been busy, yes, getting things cleaned up around the house and throwing good food away that went bad. That really sucks. Yeah, it does. There's a way to solve that problem, though. Just don't have any food. I never throw anything away. <laughs> All right, here we go. 1930, if you got your books handy, crack them open to chapter 19, verse 30 of the great, awesome, powerful book of Genesis, and let's see what Lot is up to. <laughs> and Lot went up to Zor, went up out of Zor, and dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zor. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. Well, yeah, the angel told you to go to the cave to start with. And you're the one that was whining. It's too far. I don't want to walk that far. I'm an old man. Can't we go to that city instead? Well, that city is awful close to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And they started seeing all the riffraff running from that destruction into this city. And it got kind of sketchy. So they quickly decided to listen to the angel and go to the mountain instead and live in the cave where it's nice and quiet and away from all the craziness in Zor. Zor is like Miami in the 80s, you know, kind of freaky. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old and there's not a man in the earth to come unto us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. Ew. Okay, let's break this down. This is a little creepy. Slow you roll. Hold on. Let me explain. In those days, there were 12 tribes of Israel, 12 tribes that came from Abraham. And in those days, bloodline was very, very, very important. Now, you must understand that a natural disaster has occurred, and the two biggest cities in the region were just pummeled by God. They're destroyed, and people are scattered everywhere. And these people, Lot and his two daughters, are living in a cave in a mountain far away from all the action, and they're not going down into the city for anything. 
They might go down once a year for supplies or whatever, but that's it. They're living in the in the mountain, and there aren't any dudes there. Now, these people who think it's a sin to breed outside of their bloodline, they think it's wrong in all the ways, because if you breed outside of your bloodline, you pollute the bloodline, and then your lineage does not go any further or very much further beyond that. This is true, of course, but it's not necessarily a sin. But in those days, they thought it was. So they're thinking the only chance we've got of getting pregnant anytime soon is by the only man that's in our presence, the father. I don't agree with this thinking, but if you could imagine being in that situation, it might cross your mind. I don't know. I think it's a little weird but they must have thought this is the only option we've got. So that's why they said this. Uh, keep in mind, this is written by someone who is writing about the situation, so maybe there was a little more conversation involved. This is just the highlights. Let us get our father drunk and bang him, and that way we'll get pregnant, and we won't have any problems with our seed, and we can preserve his bloodline. Creepy but understandable under the circumstances. And they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and laid with her father. And he perceived not when she laid down, nor when she arose. He was that drunk. He was plastered. He probably slept through the whole thing. And if you don't think that's possible, ask your wife. It's possible. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. Hmm. I did it, so now it's your turn. That way we're both guilty. Women. And they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both daughters of Lot with child by their father. Keep in mind, this is not condoning this action. This is just reporting that that's what happened. So don't let naysayers who have read the Bible a little bit tell you, well, the Bible condones incest. I can't. No, it doesn't. This is not condoning this behavior. It's just reporting that's what happened. And that's what happened, so they wrote it down. And the firstborn bare a son and called his name Moab. The same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger she also bare a son and called his name Benami. The same is the father of the children of Ammon, Unto this day. Well, the Ammonites didn't fare so well. The Moabites either later on in the book, but not quite as bad as the Ammonites got it. So if you think that the Bible condones incest, uh, just look at what happened to the Ammonites and the Moabites. Ben-Ami, which means son of the people, Think about it. 
And Abraham journeyed from thence towards the south country and dwelled between Kadesh and Shur, and sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Does this sound familiar? Is this not the same thing he did in Egypt? Well, yes, it is. Same trick, different city. I wonder how he's going to fare this time. The last time he ended up leaving Egypt with lots of servants and goats and gold and cattle. And the king saying, you know, let's let bygones be bygones because I don't want to be embarrassed by all of this. Pretty much. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou art but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Uh-oh. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, wilt thou slay also a righteous nation? Said he not unto me, she is my sister. That's what he told me. And she even, she herself said, he is my brother. The integrity of my heart and innocency of my hands have I done this. Now, you got what he's saying here is, I didn't know. I had no idea. They both said that they were brother and sister. So I just assumed and took her as my wife. But I hadn't slept with her yet. So I'm innocent. My hands are clean. I didn't do it. Don't bring Chris Hansen in here. I did nothing wrong. Well, technically, they didn't lie to him because they are half-brother and sister. Sarah's father is Abraham's father. Only had they, they had different mothers. So they are half-brother and sister. And in those days, there wasn't a lot of choice. So they married who they could. And he married a half-sister. She is his wife, but she is also his half-sister. There you go. You're welcome. And God said unto him in a dream, Yea, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. I know you're innocent. I'm just letting you know. For I also withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I thee not to touch her. It's my fault that you haven't slept with her yet. I've been cock-blocking you this whole way. So don't worry. I know you're innocent. I'm just letting you know what's up. But I'm going to tell you how to handle it, says God. Now, therefore, restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for thee, and thou shalt live. And if thou restore her not, know thou that thou shalt surely die, thou and all that art thine. If you don't give her back, and I mean pronto, I'm not only going to kill you, but I'm going to kill everybody that belongs to you. But if you give her back unscathed, he'll pray for you and you'll be blessed and live. That's a pretty good deal. Therefore, Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told all these things into their ears. He ain't trying to hide nothing. He don't want to get caught up in no kind of scandal. He's telling everybody. And the men were sore afraid. I bet they were. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said unto him, What hast thou done unto us? And what have I offended thee, that thou hast brought 
on me and on my kingdom a great sin. Thou hast done deeds unto me that ought not be done. Well, that's true. He shouldn't be lying, and I don't agree with his lying, but the subterfuge has worked for him thus far, and there's no reason for him to change it now in his mind. Also, his wife's a hottie by the standards of the time, so he was worried about people killing him if they saw his wife so that they could have her. So to save his own skin, he said that they're brother and sister. This is kind of a coward move, but it also could be ordained by God because this very thing that he's doing ended up making Abraham vastly rich and provided him the funding to have nations of children and made him great because of this act. So it could be that's the way it works in those days for that reason. What's up, Diego? Good to see you, my friend. <coughs> and Abimelech said, I read that. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What sawest thou that thou hast done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, Surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will slay me for my wife's sake. I thought you guys were a bunch of hoodlums and heathens, and I thought you'd kill me just as soon as you saw my wife's hotness. And take her for yourself. I figured I'd skip a step. And yet, indeed, here's the proof. She is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So I'm not lying to you. I did tell you the first part. I just omitted the fact that we were married. And there you go. That's how you know. As they say, the devil is in the details, and the details are in the Bible. Do with that as you will. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said unto her, This is thy kindness, which thou shalt show unto me. At every place, whither we shall come, say of me, he is my brother. You want to be nice to me, Sarai? Tell everybody we meet that you're my sister. That way they don't kill me. And she says, yeah, whatever, dude. Just get me where we're going. And Abimelech took sheep and oxen and men servants and woman servants and gave them unto Abraham and restored him, Sarah, his wife. So this worked out for Abraham again. He comes away second time with riches and servants. He is building him quite the nest egg for his future endeavors. One time he does this, he's going to acquire land, and that's where he will build his nation, or the beginning of it. Pretty smart move, if you ask me, if you think about in terms of strictly just achievement and accomplishment. This little white lie or omission, as it actually is not a lie because she is his sister, but omitting the fact that she's his wife is the only thing he's done. He didn't work for any of this. He just told a little white lie. And look at everything he's got because of it. It's not a lie, so he didn't break a commandment. But it is subterfuge. So I, I don't know how to think about that. God clearly knows about it, and he clearly isn't stopping him or scalding him for doing it. 
So maybe this is God's idea so that Abraham can accrue some riches so that he can pay for this nation of children that's coming his way. Who knows? Where there's a will, there's a way, and God usually causing it. That's all I can tell you. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before thee. Dwell where it pleases thee. This is my land, all of it. Go pick a spot and live there. It's fine with me. Just get out of my castle. And take your hot wife with you. And unto Sarah he said, Behold, I have given thy brother <coughs> a thousand pieces of silver. Behold, he is to thee a covering of the eyes. Unto all that are with thee and with all other, thus she was reproved. That's a little Hebrewism. What he's basically saying is your um, brother, husband, has pulled the wool over your eyes and you don't see him for what he really is. So you're a piece of trash, lady. Get out of my sight. That's what reproving means. He's dressing her down here. He's telling her that she's in the wrong for playing this game. And she may very well be. I don't know. I'm not making a judgment call here. It does work out in their favor quite nicely. But I don't know if I agree with the tactics. But again, the Bible is not condoning it. It's just reporting that it happened. So Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bare children. So God, knowing that all this is occurring and knowing it's subterfuge, has added a little sweetness to the pot, and he made them all fertile and healed them of their sicknesses and whatnot. So in a way, God's looking out for them, even though they've been kind of bamboozled here. He's not hurting anybody that Abraham is telling this to. For the Lord had fast closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Hmm. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. If you remember the last read, he kind of come up to Sarah when she was standing in the doorway, and he says, uh, you're going to have a child this time next year. And Sarah went, <laughs> I'm uh, 90 years old. I'm not having any children. What the hell's wrong with you? Am I going to go in and bang my old-ass husband? Is that what you expect of me? That ship has sailed 30 years ago. God said, mark my words. This time next year, you're going to have a child when I come back to see you again, you'll be rearing a child. She's like, no way. Well, that just happened. Apparently, the uh, excitement of the day got Sarah kind of randy, and she went in and had relations with her old husband, and they conceived a child in their age, in their advanced age. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age and the set time of which God had spoken to him. That's exactly when it occurred, one year to the day from when he said it. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare unto him, Isaac. Now, Abraham has two sons, one from a handmaid and one from Sarah. Isaac and Ishmael. 
it is worth you noting that Isaac will go on to have children and they will eventually become what we know as Christians or the Christian sect of the uh, tribes of Abraham come from Isaac. On the other hand, adversely, his handmaiden's child who gets excommunicated from the family because he isn't Abraham and, and Sarah's actual son and she's jealous of it. So he gets thrown out and his mother with him. And, uh, he goes on, and through him comes the seed of the Muslim religion. So right here is the separation of the religions from Christian and Muslim separate at this point through the sons of Abraham. So he is the father of both religions. And from his rearing his children up, the lessons that they learned and the, the information that they accrued went into these religions and propagated forward. And though both religions came from the same source, which means both religions are partially correct, they're worshiping the same God. The major difference between the two religions is the belief in Christ. That's the major. There are some minor differences, but the big one is that Muslims don't believe Christ was the Messiah. They do believe he was a prophet. They do believe he was sent by God, and they are very, very respectful of him. They just don't think he was the Messiah. Neither do the Jews, by the way, who are also in that Christian side of things from Abraham and Isaac. So really, the big difference in all the religions is the belief in who the Messiah is. And if you believe in the Messiah as it stands, you are in the right, because that is what is told in the Bible. And Abraham was an hundred, oh, I missed one. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was an hundred years old when Isaac, his son, was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck at her advanced age? Meaning, for I have borne him a son in his old age. And the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast the same day that Isaac was weaned, meaning he stopped breastfeeding. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. She didn't like it. She was very, very, very vexed about that child. Northland Links, welcome to the show. We are not talking politics, but I appreciate your ire. Biden can try to take out every Kevlar-wearing deer with a big rattlesnake wrapped in its horns. Okay, that sounded weird. Greetings from Michigan. Greetings from North Carolina. Stick around, stay a while, take your shoes off, set a spell, see if you like something that you hear tonight. We are reading from the book of Genesis. We're in chapter 2110, if you're interested in following along. King James Version, obviously. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Now see, before Isaac was born, she was cool with it because she didn't think she could have kids. 
So she let Abraham bang his maid, and she got pregnant and had a child, so at least he has a sire. So Abraham, uh, uh, Sarah was cool with that. But now, now she has a child from Abraham, so she's the big chicken in the hen house. And she's like, this, these people have got to go because this is the heir of I, uh, Abraham right here. My son's going to reach maturity and take over for his dad, not that other guy. I'm from the 13th tribe. Well, I feel for you, brother. <clears throat> and the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. Well, you know, Abraham loved his sons, both of them. He didn't want to send her away, but he has very little choice here. He is married to Sarah. She is his wife, and that son is not hers, and it's going to be a problem. So obviously he asks God, what should I do about this? And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in, the sight, in thy sight because of the lad and because of the bondwoman. In all that Sarah hath said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Through Isaac will these nations come from your seed, not through Ishmael. So listen to your wife. I'll make sure everything's cool. Trust me. I'm God. And also of the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he is thy seed. So Ishmael's going to have offspring that end up being a nation also. A big religion, in fact, takes up a third of the world, just not the Abrahamic religion. He's the downside of the Schwartz. Isaac is the upside of the Schwartz, if you get my drift. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Not very nice of how he handled that, though. I think maybe he could probably pay a little child support and help out a little and maybe wait till they get to a city to drop her off. No, he, he sent her off in the wilderness, which is the desert in this context, not the woods. And the water was spent in the bottle, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs, hoping that he would not be burnt to death by the sun, a little bit of shade from a shrub. She puts him under the shrub and goes off in search of water because they have no water, and they're in the middle of the desert because he only gave her one bottle. Think about that for a minute, Abraham, you asshole. He's a man of God, but he ain't very nice to women. And she went and sat down over against him in a good way off. In other words, she's in within sight, but a good ways away so he can't hear her. As it were, a bow shot. So if you like take an arrow and shoot it, that's how far away she was, how far the arrow would travel. Good long ways away, but still could see him. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. I don't want to see him die. And it's obviously going to happen. She sat over against him and lift up her voice and wept, crying to God. They're in the middle of the desert. She knows her son's about to die of thirst and heat. And she ain't far behind him. 
So she does the only thing good for her to do, and that is call out to God Almighty and hope for the best. I can imagine she ain't looking real uh, happy about the situation, though, because she doesn't know that God's going to bless her. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said unto her, Hey, what aileth thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Don't be scared, we got you covered. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thine hand, for I will make him a great nation, says God. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle with water and gave the lad drink, thus saving his life. Terrifying that situation must have been. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought, well, this is it. I've got no other choices. I'm at the end of my rope, and here I am. I don't know what else to do. I've been in that situation, and I can tell you it's terrifying. But I can also tell you that in every scenario where I have found myself in that situation, very shortly thereafter, God opened up my eyes and showed me a path out. Has always been that way. It always will be that way. And I've learned to trust that. You should too. And God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife out of the land of Egypt. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Phicol, the chief captain of his host, spake unto Abraham, saying, God is with thee in all that thou doest, right? Yeah, you, you got God on your side. You call him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now therefore swear unto me here by God that thou wilt not deal falsely with me, nor with my son, nor with my son's son, but according to the kindness that I have done unto thee, thou shalt do unto me, and to the land wherein thou hast sojourned. Hmm. That's a little interesting. This Relationship started with subterfuge, where Abraham omitted the truth and caused Abimelech to make a mistake in his steps. God visited Abimelech and told him what the truth was and told him to bless Abraham, and so he did. He was kind. He gave his wife back. He gave him land. He gave him gold and silver. I mean, he gave him silver. I don't think he gave him gold. Gave him servants and a place to live. And so now he's kind of calling in his chit. He's saying, hey, remember how nice I was to you when you lied to me? I want you to remember that because you're a prophet of God. God has communications with you. So I know you're going to be doing well in the future. The future is uncertain for me. So let's make a deal. Because I was nice to you, you be nice to me and my children and their children. As long as you're alive according to the kindness I've done to you. You do to us the way we did you and the land where you live. And Abraham said, I will swear. I'll treat you the same way you treated me. And this comes to pass later in the future. We're going to read that 
Abraham meets up with his son, who is king at that time, and plays the same trick on him. So he did do exactly how he did him. that He kept his word. And Abraham reproved Abimelech because of a well of water, which Abimelech's servant had violently taken away. Yeah, well, you're not supposed to do that. Apparently, Abraham had found him a well, and one of Abimelech's men saw it and didn't like it and violently took it away from Abraham. And Abraham said, well, yeah, I'll be nice to you, but hey, you got to watch how your men treat me, you know, because they've been pretty mean. And Abimelech said, I wot not who hath done this thing, neither didst thou tell me, neither yet heard I of it, but today. This is the first thing I, first time I'm hearing about it, says Abimelech. I didn't know. I didn't tell him to do that, and I didn't know he was going to do that. This is the first time hearing of it. So you tell me who the guy is, and we'll make that right right now. And Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them unto Abimelech, and both of them made a covenant. This is the Hebrew blood covenant where they sacrificed and split them apart and walked through the two pieces of meat and make a promise to one another. And that promise is forever. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs, baby lambs, of the flock by themselves. And Abimelech said unto Abraham, What mean these seven ewe lambs which thou hast set by themselves? And he said, For these seven ewe lambs shalt thou take of my hand, and they may be a witness unto me that I have digged this well. This is my well. And I'm buying it from you now. You're going to take these seven lambs and trade, and that will make the situation right. Wherefore he called that place Beersheba, because there they swear, both of them, the place where the two make promises. Now, that place is there to this day. There's a little church built over the place, and inside of the church is a glass container that has the well or the remains of it inside you can find it today if you know where to look so that's proof that this occurred and to this day obviously the place still belongs to Abraham because it's a forever kind of promise that they made thus they made a covenant at Beersheba then Abimelech rose up and Phicol, the chief captain of his hosts, and they returned into the land of the Philistines. And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Amen. And Abraham sojourned in the Philistines land many days. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Behold, here I am. You didn't have to call me that sharply. I'm right here. And I can hear quite well, God. Don't have to yell. I'm paraphrasing. Hey. And he said, Take now thy son. Okay, let me stop right here. Everybody here knows the story of Abraham and Isaac and what happened. That's what we're about to get into. But I want you to understand something. 
John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in him shall have everlasting life and not perish. Right? God had to give up his only Son so that all sin would be covered. He became the, the lamb for the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for all sins. This was not always the case, but even back then, as Abraham and, and Jesus are separated by about 2,000 years, maybe 2,500 years, somewhere in that area. And even back then, God was thinking about what he had to do in the future. Even back then, he was making a plan. But he's going to give his only son for these people that he created. Is it worth it? You think God ever had a moment where he thought to himself, man, I don't even know if this is worth it. I don't know if my sacrifice is worth these miserable people down here. So let's test it out. I don't know if they would even do the same for me says God to himself. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but this is kind of what's happening here. God is thinking to himself, if I have to do it, I wonder if they would do it. So let's find out. Who is my best servant? And at this moment, it's Abraham. So he says, Abraham, I wonder if you're obedient. Abraham says, yeah, I'm obedient. And God says, okay, kill your son. What? Now, he didn't say what. He said, as thou wilt. And he went and started preparing the way. Obviously, he was thinking about it. Obviously, it was hard for him. Obviously, this is not what he wanted. This is his only son. And he was 100 years old when he got this son. His wife, this is the last child she's going to have, by the way. She's 100 also. This is finite merchandise. There are no other ones after this. This is my only son. I sent away my other son, by the way, so I don't even have that anymore. And you want me to give up my son. Nevertheless, Abraham is obedient to a fault. And he says, okay, God, I'll do it. If that's what you want, I'll do it. And he starts to do it. He gets the stuff to build a fire. He builds the altar. He grabs his son and picks the knife up and raises it up in the air, getting ready to plunge it into his heart. And God stops him. Whoa, don't kill your son. Look over there. There's a lamb. Use that instead. Sacrifice that lamb that I provided. God put that lamb there. Wasn't happenstance. You must understand that this is all metaphor for what's coming in the future. God never intended Abraham to kill his son. He just wanted to know if he would. That's what's important here, that Abraham was willing to make that sacrifice for God. Now, you ask me, I'm a father, and I would tell you straight up, there's nothing on earth that would make me hurt one of my children. Nothing. There's nothing in heaven that would make me hurt one of my children. I'm not that obedient. Thus, I'm not worthy of the blessings that Abraham's family has accrued because I couldn't make that sacrifice. Abraham could only just though. So you must understand that God never intended Isaac to die. He just wanted to know if Abraham was willing to do so because if he had to do it, 
for these people. He wanted to know if these people were worthy of the sacrifice. Abraham thanked Abraham that he was worthy of the sacrifice. Because if it had not been for that, we may not have gotten Christ. Therefore, we may all have been destroyed and never replenished. So it's a blessing to all mankind that Abraham did what he did. Now let's continue. Now that you have context. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the mountains which I will tell thee of. What? And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for a burnt offering, chopped up the wood and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. And there on the third day lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. That's where I need to go right up there. And there we'll build the altar. Now keep in mind, he hasn't told Isaac any of this. Isaac has no idea what's coming. But he's getting vibes, you know. He's looking, Dad, why are you looking so serious over there? You're gritting your teeth a lot, Pop. What's up? Kind of worrying me, Dad. What's going on over there? And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass. And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. That's not what they're going up there to do, by the way. And the men, obviously obedient to Abraham, stayed by the truck while they went up into the woods. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both together. So he's got the fire. He's got the wood. His son's carrying the wood. He's got the fire and the knife, and they're walking silently to the altar. And you got to imagine what's going on in their minds. Abraham is obviously fretting that he's about to have to kill his son, wondering if he's even got the strength or the willpower to get it done, knowing that that's what God has commanded of him. And Isaac, poor Isaac, is walking behind his dad trying to keep up with a handful of wood going, hmm, I notice he didn't bring a lamb. He's got a knife, he's got fire, he's got wood, but he don't have a lamb. What are we going to sacrifice? This is what's going on in Isaac's mind. And he's awful quiet. He's got this look on his face like he'd rather be anywhere getting his ass beat than what he's doing now. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And they went both of them together. And, Ab and Isaac's probably thinking, Uh, are you sure? <laughs> And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And now Isaac is probably sweating bullets going, Oh, I'm the lamb. And Abraham stretched forth his hand 
and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of God called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. I'm about to do what you told me to do. What's up? And he said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. And seeing thou hast not withheld thy only son from me. This was a test. I know that you'll do it. That's all I wanted to know is that you would. Not, I don't expect you to. I just wanted to know if you would. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. He didn't even have to catch the lamb. There it is, caught in the thicket. He's just got to go over there and cut his throat, and we've got a lamb. Whew. And Abraham took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. This is the first time God provided a lamb for the sacrifice for mankind. The next time it will be in the flesh of his son, Jesus Christ. And that will be the last time. That is the sacrifice for all sacrifices. Thank you, you host at 434. Well, you're welcome. I think. And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. Which it is said to this day, Jehovah Jireh, in that mount of the Lord it shall be seen. That's the witness of God's handiwork. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and has not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sands which upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Pay attention. This is why we're here. The moral of this story is you must obey God's voice. When you hear the word of God, you must obey. Period. No ifs, no ands, no buts, no questions. You just do what you're told when it comes to God. And he will bless you and multiply you and give unto your seed all of the nations of the earth. So Abraham returned his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. I imagine that ride home was awful quiet. Nobody said a word. Abraham driving. Isaac sitting there with his arms crossed looking at Abraham. The two men sitting over there beside him looking out the window pretending not to notice that anything's going on. Yeah, I imagine that was a very uncomfortable ride home. And it came to pass after these things 
that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah, she hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor, whose his firstborn, and Booz his brother, and Kemuel the father of Abram, and Chesed, and Hazo, and Phildash, and Jidlaf, and Bethuel. And Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother. So their family is growing as they are doing these things. And his concubine, whose name was Ruma, she bare also Teba and Gaham and Thahash and Mechach, who was Klingon. And Sarah was an hundred and seven and twenty years old. These were the years of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kirjath Harba. The same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And Abraham came to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her. Sarah's grave is still there to this day also. Also has a little church built over it, by the way. And if you know where to look, you can find it. I've seen pictures. I've never been there, but I have seen pictures of the grave. <laughs> and Abraham stood up from before his dead and spake unto the sons of Heth, saying, I am a stranger and a sojourner with you. Give me a possession of a burying place with you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. He didn't want to cling on. Did you just say that? Yes. It was a joke, man. Machach. Sounded Klingon to me. Follow along now. And the children of Heth answered Abraham, saying unto him, Hear us, my lord, lowercase lord. Thou art a mighty prince among us. In the choice of our sepulchres, bury thy dead. None of us shall withhold from thee his sepulchre. You can have any one of ours, but that thou mayest bury the dead. Well, Abraham didn't necessarily want to bury his wife where he had to look at her every day and mourn for her all the time, so he buried her in another land so that when he went home, he didn't have to be reminded of it constantly. Jesus would say later on, let the dead bury the dead, so it makes sense to me. That's right, I'm trying to make it fun, buddy. I'm trying to make it something. And Abraham stood up and bowed himself to the people of the land, even to the children of Heth. And he communed with them, saying, If it be your mind that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me, and entreat for me to Ephron, the son of Zohar, so that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he hath, which is in the end of his field. For as much money as it is worth, he shall give it to me for a possession of burying, uh, of a burying place among you. So he said, all right, if nobody is going to withhold their sepulcher for me, I pick uh, Machpelah's cave. It's a nice place. It's at the end of a field. It's way out on the edge of town. It's out of my sight. I'll buy it from him for whatever it's worth, and that's the place I'll bury my dead. 
not exactly a sepulcher, but it is the place where I want to bury my dead in that cave. And Ephron dwelt among the children of Heth, and Ephron the Hittite answered Abraham in the audience of the children of Heth, even of all that went in at the gate of his city, saying, Nay, my lord, hear me. The field give I thee, and the cave that is therein I give thee. In the presence of the sons of my people give I it thee. Bury thy dead. Abraham did well. He didn't just get the cave, he got the field too. That's a pretty nice gift. What planet is this teaching from? This one. And Abraham bowed down himself before the people of the land. And he spake unto Ephron in the audience of the people of the land, saying, But if thou wilt give it, I pray thee, hear me. I will give thee money for the field. Take it of me and I will bury my dead there. Now they're squabbling over whether or not he's going to pay for it. The man said, no, I'll give it to you, the field and the land. And Abraham's like, he's Jewish, so he's saying, no, 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 no. I'll pay for it. That way I know it's mine. Let me pay for it. But I'll give it to you. No, 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 I want to pay for it. That way I have a title, and it's mine, and you can't come back and take it from me later. That's what's going on here. And Ephron answered Abraham, saying unto him, My Lord, hearken unto me. The land is worth 400 shekels of silver. That is that. What is that betwixt me and thee? What's 400 shekels? Bury therefore thy dead. I don't need it. Just take the land. And Abraham hearkened unto Ephron, and Abram weighed to Ephron the silver, which he had named in the audience of the sons of Heth, 400 shekels of silver, current money, with the merchant. So we're talking... Real cash, 400 shekels. I don't know how much that is, but I'm guessing it's a lot. And the field of Ephron, which is at Mechpila, which was before Memre, the field and the cave, which was therein, and all the trees that were in the field that were in all the borders round about were made sure unto Abraham for a possession in the presence of the children of Heth. Before all that went into the gate of his city, everybody was witness to this deal. Abraham paid cash money for it. The other guy relented, Ephron relented, and gave it to him. So the deal has been made, and everybody's witness. Nobody's coming back to take this land from Abraham. He's made sure of it. So unto this very day, that field and that cave belongs to Abraham and his family. Hmm. Yes, it was earth. And after this, it was earth, but it was different. This is just after the flood, so everything is being rebuilt and anew. So in a way, it was a different planet, because what came before has been destroyed and long gone. And after this, Abraham buried Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre. The same as Hebron in the land of Canaan. And in the field and the cave that is therein were made sure unto Abraham for a possession of a burying place by the sons of Heth. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age. And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, 
put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. This is not weirdness. This is him asking the man to pick him up. This is how you pick somebody up. Head, thigh. Pick him up. And I will make swear by thee, Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go into my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. He's asking his manservant. He's about to die, by the way. He said, pick me up so I can get close to your face. And they talked together. And what he said was, promise me that you will not let my son marry one of these weirdo Canaanites. I live here. I know what kind of people they are. Go to my country, where I'm from, and find a wife there and marry Isaac to her. That way, I'll know he's getting a fresh, young, well-groomed, well-manicured lady from my stock. Bloodline's important. Remember that. And the servant said unto him, Peradventure the woman will not be willing to follow me unto this land. Must I needs bring thy son again unto the land from whence thou camest? And Abraham said unto him, Beware thou, that thou bringest not my son thither again. Don't bring him there. The Lord God of heaven, which took me from my father's house, and from the land of my kindred, and which spake unto me, and that swear unto me, saying, Unto thy seed will I give this land. He shall send his angel before thee, and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. In other words, go to the place. There'll be somebody there waiting on you that's from God, and he'll show you the lady that he's already prepared for me. Just go get her. That's all I'm saying. And if the woman will not be willing to follow thee, then thou shalt be clear from this my oath. Only bring not my son thither again. And the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham as master and swear to him concerning this matter. This put my hand under thy thigh is a figure of speech. It means lift me up off the bed. And the servant took ten camels of the camels of his master and departed. And all the goods of his master were in his hand. And he arose and went to Mesopotamia unto the city of Nahor, which is where Abraham's from. There you go. Break the mold. And he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of evening, even the time that the women go out to draw water. That's pretty smart. You see, I look for women and waitresses because I like their mentality. I like their the servant mentality. So I look for waitresses to, to marry or to date this man is doing the same thing. He's looking for the women coming out to draw water to find a nice wife because he knows she'll work for her man. He, he knows she'll take care of him by going and getting the water. <laughs> kind of the same thing. 
Not exactly, but it's kind of the same thing. And he said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water, and let it come to pass that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac, and thereby I shall know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. That's a pretty specific fleece that he's just laid before the Lord. What he's saying is, I'm going to say something specific to these women. I'm a stranger standing here by the well, and I'm going to say, hey, lady, can I have something to drink? And I want her to reply to me, not only will I give you something to drink, but I'll give your camel something to drink too. And if the woman says that, that's the woman I'm going to pick for Isaac because I'll know that you sent her. This is not what a woman would say, by the way. She would probably say, get your own water or wait your own turn or the camel feeders over there or something. But that's not what he's asking. And it came to pass, before he had done speaking that, behold, Rebekah came out, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, with her pitcher upon her shoulder. And the damsel was very fair to look upon, a virgin, neither had any man known her. And she went down to the well and filled her pitcher and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Oh, you must be her, because you're gorgeous. He said, Let me, I pray thee, drink a little water of thy pitcher. Does that city still exist? Nahor? Yes. It's called something else now, but it's still there. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she hastened, let down her pitcher upon her hand, and gave him to drink. And when she had done giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for thy camels also until they have done drinking. And she hasted and emptied her pitcher into the trough and ran again unto the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. Very nice. This is definitely her. She's hot. She's redheaded. And she's feeding my camels. Let's do it. And the man, wondering at her, held his peace to wit whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Oh, yeah. Yes, he has. And it came to pass, as the camels had done drinking, that the man took a golden earring of half shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold and said, Whose daughter art thou? Tell me, I pray thee. Is there room in thy father's house for us to lodge in? And she said unto him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, which she bare unto Nahor. 
And he's like, oh, goody, 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 that must be her. And she said, moreover unto him, we have both straw and provender enough and room to lodge. In other words, we not only have we got a place you can lay down, but we got enough to feed your camels and we got enough to feed you. It's pretty nice. Walk right into town and get taken care of straight away. And the man bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. And he said, Blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who hath not left destitute my ma master of his mercy and his truth. I, being in the way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. And Rebekah had a brother, and his name was Laban. And Laban ran out unto the man unto the well. And it came to pass, when he saw the earrings and the bracelets upon his sister's hand, and when he heard the words of Rebekah and his sister, saying, Thus spake the man unto me, that he came unto the man, and behold, he stood by the camels at the well. Now this is the protective brother, trying to do the protective brother thing. He's ready to beat this guy's tail for hitting on his sister. It ain't going to work out that way, but that's what he's thinking. And he said, Come in, thou blessed of the Lord. Wherefore standest thou without? For I have prepared the house and the room for the camels. And the man came into the house, and he ungirded his camels, took their uh, stuff off of them, took their, uh, can't think of the word, saddles off of them. And gave straw and provender for the camels and water to wash his feet and the men's feet that were with him. And there was set meat before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have told mine errand. And he said, speak on. And he said, I am Abraham's servant. And the Lord hath blessed my master greatly. And he has become great. And he hath given him flocks and herds and silver and gold and manservants and maidservants and camels and asses and Nintendo 64s and all the flat screens in the house. And Sarah, my master's wife, bare him a son to my master when she was old, and unto him hath he given all that he hath. And the guy's going, yeah, uh-huh, you had me at gold. Keep talking. And my master made me swear, saying, Thou shalt not take a wife to my son of the daughters of the Canaanites. And he's like, Hold up, I'm a dude. I know I was talking to your sister. Well, go on. In whose land I dwell, but thou shalt go to my father's house and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son. That way we can keep this tradition of incest going. That's not what he said. And I said unto my master, peradventure, the woman will not follow me. What if she says no? And he said, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angels with thee and prosper thy way. And thou shalt take a wife for my son of my kindred and of my father's house. Then shalt thou be clear from this my oath. When thou comest to my kindred, and if they give not thee one wife, Thou shalt be clear of my oath. If it doesn't work out, you're free to go. Hey, Robert, what's happening? 
Welcome to the show. You're just in time for the end. And I came this day unto the do- unto the well and said, O Lord God of my master Abraham, if now thou do prosper my way, which I go, behold, I stand by the well of water, and it shall come to pass that when the virgin cometh forth to draw water, and I say unto her, Give me, I pray thee, a little water of thy pitcher to drink. And she say to me, Both drink you, and also I will draw for thy camels. Let the same be the woman whom the Lord hath appointed out of my master's son. And the dude the, the brother saying, uh-huh, and you think that's my sister, right? And he's like, well, she is hot, and she is a redhead, and she is a virgin, and she did ask me if I could let her feed my camels, and yeah, she's the one. And he's like, uh-huh. Did you say gold? And before I had done speaking in my heart, behold, Rebecca came forth with her pitcher on her shoulder, and she was hot. And redheaded and thirsty. And she went down unto the well and drew the water and said unto her, Let me drink, I pray thee. And she made haste and let down her pitcher from her shoulder and said, Drink, I will give thy camels drink also. So I drank, and she made the camels drink also. And I asked her and said, Whose daughter art thou? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, which Milcah bare unto him. And I put the earrings upon her face and the bracelets upon her hands. I didn't touch her. I just put the stuff on her. And I bowed down my head, and I worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord God of my master Abraham, which had led me in the right way to take my master's brother's daughter unto his son. And the brother's like, "Uh Uh-huh. Did you say gold? Now, if you will deal kindly and truly with my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. In other words, if you're going to let me have her, tell me. If you're not, tell me, and I'll get out of here. I need to know which way to go. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, Did you say gold? The thing proceedeth from the Lord... We cannot speak unto thee, bad or good. Behold, Rebekah is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, and the Lord, as the Lord had spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshipped the Lord and bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, which is clothing, and gave them to Rebekah. I mean, they're lavishing her left and right because they really want to make a good impression. She's about to get ganked up out of her house and taken to the Canaanites. They want to make her feel nice and pampered before they do all that. He gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. So he's not only buttering her up, he's buttering the family up too. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and tarried all night, and they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. It's time. Let's go. And her brother and her mother said, Let the damsel abide with us a few days, at least ten. After that she shall go. 
Hmm. This is starting to sound like a double cross. And he said unto them, didn't I just give you all a bunch of stuff last night? It's time to go. I'm not waiting 10 days. That's not what he said. But he said, hinder me not. Seeing the Lord hath prospered my way, send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the damsel and inquire at her mouth. Let's see if she wants to go. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, Uh, yeah. Well, let me think about this for a minute. I get to leave this place where I'm a servant and go be a princess in the land of the Canaanites with the richest man there. I think, I'm, I think I'll go. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant, and his men. And they blessed Rebekah, and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions. That's asking a lot, by the way. <laughs> I don't think she can handle that many pregnancies, but they're wishing it on her. And let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels and followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well of Lahorii, Laharoi, Laharoi, Laharori, Lahaeoroi. Yeah, that word. For he dwelt in the south country. He didn't even know a wife was coming his way. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were a-coming. Round the bend. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel. For she had said unto the servant, What man is this that walketh in the field to meet us? And the servant had said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. This is the uh, ancient equivalent of, He can't see me until I put my makeup on. She's giddy. She knows she's about to meet her future husband and she wants to cover up because that's what they did in those days. And the servant told Isaac all things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into the mother Sarah's tent, into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah. And she became his wife and he loved her. I bet he did. And Isaac was comf comforted after his mother's death. His mother died shortly before all of this. I mean, she didn't even get off the camel good, and they're in a tent doing it, doing the nasty. That's love right there. I wish things still worked that way, but they don't. That's where we're going to stop for today, ladies and gentlemen. What a fantastic book this was. We'll pick up tomorrow night, chapter 25, verse 1. Abraham, remember the dude laying in bed? He ain't quite done yet. He just looks like he's dying. He's got a little bit more left in the tank, if you know what I'm saying. And he's going to keep on until his very last ability. We're going to highlight this.
Give me a moment. That's good enough. Bookmark the page. Highlight the verse. Man, what a fantastic read. I hope that touched all your hearts. I hope you learned a lot. I hope you found something wonderful in the pages that we just read. And I hope that it inspired you to want to go further and to dig deeper and to find out what's really there. Won't you do me a favor, though? Hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online and when my new videos drop and what's coming up in the future. Smash that like button. It's free. It's right in front of you. It takes no effort at all. All you got to do is reach out and touch it. It really does help the channel with the algorithms, and it helps us get recommended to other people. So won't you do that? Share this video with people you love. Better yet, share with people you don't love. Bring them into the family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave comments down below and let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid. Make your own Kool-Aid. As long as you're thinking critical, that's what I want. Critical thought coming from that brain of yours. And hey, if you love the Word of God and you can see the value in what I'm trying to build here and you'd like to be part of that, or if you feel led to send tithes, offerings, or love offerings to your place of teaching, or if you'd just like to pat me on the back and say, hey, nice job, Jake. If you want to support this channel, you can do that. You can do that by going to paypal.me slash jakejohnsonband. Or if you're a Cash App user, you can go to dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It's a win-win. It's a blessing for me. It's a blessing for you, too. God does notice these, these, these things. We live in a reciprocal universe. Knock, and the door shall be opened. Ask, and you shall be answered. Give, and you shall receive. That is how it works. You can find this podcast anywhere podcasts are sold. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Google, Amazon, all the places. So go check it out and uh, help us get out there. With that, I will take your questions and comments. I am grateful. I thank you very much for your support. And I can't wait until we have built a grand relationship with all these people involved. And we have a good thing going here. That's what I'm working towards. Won't you be part of it? Won't you come help me do that? Now, let me see if I missed anything in the questions. If you met God, what would you ask him? Hmm, that's a good question. What is the capital of Assyria? April says, please hit that like button, everybody. We appreciate the support. Much love. Thanks so much. Northlander says, I will dry my Lord's feet with my hair if I believe he is the Lord worthy of my hair. Amen, brother. I believe when you see him, you'll have no choice but to believe it's him. Gold, diamonds, and silver are the only earthly treasures. The biggest treasure is in heaven. Wise words there, Northland. Wise words. April says, whoa, I didn't know that. You didn't know what, April? Never mind, I know what. We 
we are made up of the same thing as the earth and three-fourths water. That is correct. God used the clay to form the man. And if you were to take all the elements of a man and look at them, you would find all of the elements that are in the dirt. The exact same elements in the exact same proportions. We are of the dust of the ground which God formed us. The only thing in us that didn't come from the ground is the breath of life which he breathed into our nostrils when he created us. We are that of the world. And we will return to it. Yep, I think that's pretty much it. Where is nice guy? I don't know. You tell me, Bubby Watts. Great statement, Robert Love. If you met God, what would you ask him? I don't know, but it would probably be very deep. I'd probably have a few questions to ask. One of them would be, why did we have to do all this? What caused you to go down this particular path when it could have been anything? Huh? You tell me, what would you ask? Might be something I can answer. God did give me a few of the answers. So if you have questions, please do ask them. I might be able to answer them. And if I can't answer them, I will definitely try to be able to answer them. That is, after all, why I'm here doing this thing is to alleviate some of the questions in the world, to be somebody out there somewhere saying something that is the truth. That's why this channel exists. And that's also why it is untethered from all the other religions. It is not a religion that I'm trying to create. It is an avenue to the truth. And the truth is what all religions are based on, but there is a baser truth to all of it. And that's what we're trying to get at, that truth, that bottom line. This is why we're here. This is what we're doing. This is what's expected. About the cremation leftovers. Yeah, I figured it out after I scrolled up and read a little bit. So, tomorrow's the big day. My new machine arrives tomorrow. And hopefully I'll have it set up in time to do the podcast tomorrow night from the new machine. I don't know if I'm going to because i got to convert everything over to Mac, find all the software and install it and get all that stuff going. And then get it all set up like it is here. I can't just convert it. I, just, I can't just take it over there because it's a different type of machine. This is Windows. That's Mac. So I've got to redo everything. So I may not be done in time for the podcast tomorrow night. I may have to do it here. But Wednesday for sure, I'll be on the new machine. I'm excited.
I don't think I'd be able to say anything till after Judgment Day, right? I don't know. I know that you'll be there in his presence. I don't know if you'll be close enough to actually speak to him or not. Because all souls will be there that have already died. But when Judgment Day occurs, all people will come in contact with the Lord while they're being judged. And you may have an opportunity then to ask questions. I don't know. I don't know that you'd ever be able to speak to the Lord. I know that you'll be in the vicinity of him. I know he'll be in the new city of Jerusalem and you'll be somewhere on the outskirts or inside or whatever. But I don't know that you'll actually get to speak to him because I don't know that he has an actual voice because every time he speaks in the Bible, he has an angel who has the face of God do all the talking. That would be Gabriel, the archangel. So I don't know. I, don't, I can't answer that because there's no, no evidence of an answer for that. But whether it be God himself or Jesus, I would assume that at some point you'll be in his presence and be able to ask questions. And yes, it would probably be after Judgment Day. I'm just guessing. There's not a lot on the subject in the Bible beyond the fact that it happens. Hope that helps. Next, who's got questions? Anybody? Comments, questions, catharsis, criticisms, carousels, caramels, crematories, custard, crab cakes, cacophony of cocoons, couched in cushions of crustaceans. What's he doing, man? He's lost his damn mind. Yeah. That happened a long time ago, unfortunately. I like words that rhyme and start with the same letters. I'd ask God to please let me have a place in heaven singing with him and to let me remember my family and if I can, finally meet Elvis Presley. <laughs> well, you will remember your family. You will not have the same emotions and relationship with them that you have here on earth, but you will know them. You'll recognize them. And you will be able to see them. And I imagine if Elvis is there, you'll get to see him too. But it won't be like it is here. You won't even feel that fame leaping off of him. He'll just be another spirit. Uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know which, but the spirit body does not have the same needs that the flesh body has. There is no desire, there is no lust, there's no love, there's no need, there's no hunger, there's no pain, there's no sadness in the spiritual form. So you'll see them, but it may not mean the same thing there that it does here. I don't know. That idea is kind of terrifying to think about, because you cling to the things that make you 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 cling to those feelings but you won't need them in the afterlife so whatever that means I don't know but that's what you have to look forward to hope that helps again there's not a whole lot on the subject other than the fact that it is it mentions it, but it don't go into a lot of detail. So there's a lot of things you have to read between the lines, and there's a lot of things you just won't know until you're there. 
and that's one of them. But Christ said, you don't know what you're asking. They neither give nor take in marriage in heaven because there's no need for that sort of thing. You'll know your family, you'll recognize them, but they won't be the same as they are on earth in your heart. But you will recognize them. So for whatever that's worth. Anybody else? Bubby Watts? Northland? You're new. Break your cherry and ask a question. Come on, peoples. They may have already bailed. They ain't said nothing in a while. Yep, I think they've already gone. Well, how about that? It's just me and you. And I didn't even see Caucasian tonight. I thought sure he'd be on. Oh, well. And that's the way it goes. I hope you enjoyed the read tonight. I hope it touched you. It definitely touched me. I always find things that I've forgotten about that when I read the Bible the first couple times. And it always jumps out to me as something new, even though I've read it before. It's like first time I'm hearing it, you know. It's always fascinating how the Bible can do that. The more you read it, the more you glean from it, the more that you didn't see the first time. That's why it's important to go through it more than once. All right, boys and girls. It's a little short tonight, 9.50. We didn't quite make it to 10 o'clock and everybody bailed, so I'm going to call it a night. I love you with all my heart. Thank you so much for all that you do and all of your con contributions and all of your time that you spend coming to watch these things. It means so much to me. And it means something to God, too. He's noticing. He's he's taking notes. I promise. He does that kind of thing. Like a creepy guy in the corner with a notepad. Yeah, I'll write it down. But it means something. We're building something special here, all of us, you and me. And that something special is going to be responsible for touching many lives over the course of its existence. So you should be proud of that. You should feel grateful that you have the opportunity to do it, and you should do it with gusto, because not many people get the opportunity to do what we're doing here. And we're doing it by leaps and bounds. So... We just reached 30,000 individual views on the channel. That's 30,000 people have seen this show. You're responsible for that in part. So take pride in your work. And know that we are doing some good. More than four people have told me already that I have brought them back to God or that I have reintroduced them to the love of God. That's fantastic. That's why we're here. That's the thing we're trying to achieve. And every person that says it, that's another notch. We got a, we got another one. And I'm keeping score. So I think that's fantastic. Yeah, they left. It's just us now. That's all right, though. They were here for the important part. 
I got a hole in my cigarette. It just keeps going out on me. You thought Sasquatch would be in tonight also? So did I. He might have got tied up doing something else. Who knows? He'll catch the next one. We stayed up late last night watching Lord of the Rings anyway. Or Rings of Power, whatever that new show is. We're trying to make it a tradition. Once a week we get together and watch movies of some kind. Maybe you can get in on it with us next time around. If you want, I'll send you a link the next time we do it and you can come join us. Watch a movie and listen to us ridicule the entertainment. It's like watching Mystery Science 3000 only with people that aren't that funny and no robots. It's okay. I'm sure he's fine. I did enjoy the read. I love it when you read it with such intensity. Well, thank you, dear. That means a lot to me. And uh, I try. But I kind of let it take over, you know. I'm not really there while that's happening. It just kind of flows out. Sometimes I'll catch myself and I'm right on the very edge of the word as it's coming into my eyes. And I'm saying the word as it's happening. And it's almost like I'm reading it and saying it at the same time and I get a little tripped up. Sometimes I'll trip over my own words. But that's when I know that something good is happening because it's not me driving. It's the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that. It's all good. I love you, True, and I love everyone. God bless you all and us all. Amen. And he does. He blesses me for sure. You are a blessing to me, so thank you for that. I am grateful for you. You mean a lot to this podcast, to my work, to the world. Because of you, many souls will be saved. You should feel good about that. All right, love, I'm going to bed. I got to get up early in the morning and go do some work and get home in a hurry so I can play with my new machine. I'm excited. Can't wait. Can't come fast enough. Hey, man, woohoo. Mm-hmm. If you people out there in Internet land have any questions or comments that you would like to direct to me personally, you can do so by emailing me. And you can email me at untetheredlivestream at gmail.com. That's untetheredlivestream, all one word, at gmail.com. And I will get it directly. And then I will respond or not. If it's good, I'll respond. And you can download this video anywhere that podcasts are delivered. iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, Radio Republic, Outcast, CastBox, you name it, it's out there. So go check it out. Support the show. Get the word out. Spread the word. Hit the subscribe buttons and let's make this thing grow. Have a great night. I love you all so much from the bottom of my heart. Won't you do me a favor? When you go out into the world tomorrow, uh, be nice to somebody. It's not that hard. Just be nice. Just go out of your way to be nice to somebody tomorrow. Do that and watch it change your life. I promise you it will from the inside out. 
you'll start to let your inner light shine. And when that inner light begins to shine, everyone around you will notice it and they'll want to be part of it and they'll come to you. Use that. Monetize it. Get those people into the show when they come and ask, what is that about you that's different? Did you get your hair cut? You're shining. You're just glowing today. Yes, I am. And this is why. And that's how, how you start the conversation. Do that. Let me see what's being said here. Yeah, also, it's not like Diego did not say goodbye, and he has, hasn't. I hope all is well with him. I'm sure it is. I'm glad to see some newcomers. That's awesome. Yeah, there's been quite a few this month. Let's keep that going. It's thanks in part to the cat videos, I'm sure, but it's also thanks to you, and it's thanks to uh, Caucasian Sasquatch, and it's thanks to the new shows out there in the world and the new platforms. There's a lot going on, and we're growing. Slowly, but we're growing. And as long as we're growing, I'm going to keep laying on the gas and trying to make it better. And I, too, am glad to see the newcomers. Let the Spirit take the wheel. That's a beautiful blessing. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And I try to do that as much as possible. All right. I love you true. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I do. I mean it. Every word of it is true. Have a great night. God bless you and keep you safe, safety unto you and your family. I'll see you tomorrow night. Thanks for watching.